Hello, Awaken Beauties. Finally, it's here. The truth to empower women to true inner beauty through a healthy mind and inner biology. I am your hostess, Cassandra Keel, a 20-year salon owner, organic beauty product formulator, positive mind management, and clinical hypnotherapist. And I am here to help you stay sane, get sleep, and bring your sexy back. Sponsored by evokebeauty.com. EVOQBeauty.com. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the Awaken Beauty Podcast. I am Cassandra, your biofeedback practitioner and clinical hypnotherapist. And today it is such a delight to bring on uh, a message and a mission that is so near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I truly believe, although sometimes challenging to be fully present and to truly feel that the joy of life truly is the discovery of who we uniquely are and how we express and share it within the world. And you are and always have been whole and the source of your own happiness. But as we venture through life and set foot to our path and the individuation process, we often give our power away. And all desires arise from the belief that we are in lack or broken, and that something outside of us is needed in order to be whole. So where do we turn? We seek short-term approval while we pile on the self-help books, the courses, the positivity porn, and freebies that make us feel even more overwhelmed, confused, and stuck. So as many of you know, I'm on a mission to break this self-image perception. And today I'm welcoming the incredible GP Walsh to open up and discuss how the exact opposite of what we seek is the way and how the true nature of creation <laughs> is totally misunderstood. So please stick around and listen as we explore the actual nature of creation, how you participate in it, and how you become one with that creative intelligence that guides the stars and grows the flowers. So before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and let you know a little bit more about my friend, my new friend, GP Walsh. So the son of a schizophrenic mother and an absent father, GP's earliest memory is being tied to his bed to keep him from wandering. The years of abuse and the emotional deprivation were offset by a natural gift for a love of truth, as well as an unquenchable curiosity about how it is that people really heal and awaken. And at the age of 19, he was on the verge of suicide, filled with self-hatred, addicted to drugs, and at the end of his hope. And at the dark moment, GP had an extraordinary spiritual experience that was so penetrating that within a few months, his entire life had turned around. And in his own words, my experience as a child made the search for truth and healing more than a philosophical curiosity. For me, it was a matter of life and death. He refers to it as the night on the bridge where he experienced, as he puts it, original innocence. 
And since then, he's dedicated his life to learning, studying, researching, practicing, and teaching and healing with the devotion of liberating the soul from unnecessary and self-imposed suffering. So with that said, my goodness, what an incredible journey and a delight to welcome you, D.B. Walsh, to the Awaken Beauty podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Thank you, Cassandra. This is really an honor. I'm really overjoyed to be here. Yes. And I will say, you know, to our listeners, um, you know, I've been on this path and I was sharing with you before we started, um, you know, just this, this addiction, this self-image addiction to the self-help industry, but what you teach and what you've discovered and what you're sharing is so much deeper than just that message, but it's a nice opener because it's often the path that we take. And I love your story in your bio and, you know, you call it innocence, which it absolutely is. And when we come back through that, let's call it the hero's journey. I had somewhat of my own experience where I call it, I came back to my point of origin. So I'd love to hear more just about, you know, this, this path that you've created for others and kind of stepping off of this creation orientation versus an egoic orientation and the importance of knowing the two. So just tell us a little bit about, about you. <laughs> well, you kind of said it all. I, I mean, um, you know, I was 19 years old when I had that experience. It was unsought, you know, I was not particularly interested in 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 spiritual things i was you know i was a rock and roll drummer for crying out loud Mm -hmm. that was that was what life was about um but i was um i was i was in more pain than i even realized um uh because of the the nature of uh, uh, my childhood um i i never felt relaxed i never felt safe i never felt at home i never felt loved these things were completely foreign i had no I didn't, I had a new idea, no idea what they were. It was always vigilance and protectiveness and defensiveness. And, and, you know, I, I survived on my wits. I was a juvenile delinquent at 12 years old. Um, but you, you know, you, it, when you're a kid, you just kind of take it all in. You, you, you don't know anything. You don't know what it is. This is all there is to life. You don't know you're in pain. You don't know that it's not supposed to be like this. Um, and, you know, so I did whatever I could to compensate for it, which was, um, you know, the drugs and all of that and the like, and just, um, and all of it just kind of coalesced in this moment where I was just, I was just done. <laughs> I was just, I, w- I was just done. And it was extremely painful. It, it was an experience I had where my body just went paralyzed, couldn't move. And, um, and I, I thought I was dying. And, uh, and then suddenly something took up, took over, and I got up and walked down the street, and um, <laughs> completely out of my control, which was the phenomenon about it. Uh, I mean, I had no control over my body, what it was doing, when it actually took me to this rendezvous point, um, and then showed me, um, the, in a way that was deeply, deeply profound. Um, that there was at the center of every single individual, including myself, an original innocence that had never been touched. Mm-hmm. It had never been corrupted. It had never been polluted. It had never been conditioned. It, it wasn't, uh, and all of this other stuff wasn't who I actually was. 
It's who I believed myself to be. But this is belief at a different level than just thinking. I mean, it's embodied in the nervous system. It's, I call them energetic assumptions. It's, in, it's embodied in behaviors. It's embodied in sensation, the emotions, the thoughts you think. I mean, it's what's governing all of the activity that makes up what we call ourselves. And mistaking that, your conditioning for yourself, is the ego. That's all there is to it. It's believing that I am that. So then when I believe that I am my conditioning, I take that on. I become that, I act it out, I, you know, I think that way, I, I desire that way, the things I want to do are all dictated. And yet there's this feeling of like, something's wrong, something's off, What's, this isn't my life. Because it isn't. <laughs> it isn't your life. It's the one that you had to, uh, to live in order to survive. It's just the natural adaptation process of the nervous system, which once it's adapted to it and it becomes automatic behavior, um, the thing that actually successfully keeps you alive when you're young then completely makes your life miserable and dysfunctional when you need the inner resources and you don't have a access to them. Um, that initial revelation at 19 years old, which is 50 years ago now. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Almost to the day. It was like in the summer of 1971. Um, uh, uh, was not an automatic, you know, that was it, you know, it was, uh, you know, rainbows and dolphins from that point on. It was, um, uh, there was a period of, there was kind of a honeymoon period where everything was just going right and I couldn't do, and I couldn't do anything wrong, followed by about a decade of absolutely nothing working at all. And I, and I found myself having to dig more deeply into what was really behind all this? You know, when I grew up 19 years old, I was a kid in a small town in Illinois. And um, nobody knew about psychology. I'd never heard the word enlightenment. I'd never heard the word yoga. I'd never heard the word conditioning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these were completely unknown to, to me. You know, maybe some people on the West Coast or some university somewhere, but, but not me. Um, and so it was there's so much I had I had to learn. I, I I embodied all sorts of different spiritual traditions, mostly the metaphysical, the, the mythological. I saw the hero, you know, recognized the hero's journey in biblical stories, and started because I, I wanted to know what the hell had happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. What was this thing that I had experienced? Because I had no I had no criteria, I had no way of understanding it whatsoever. Um, so I started with what I knew, um, and then. Uh, eventually it began to, I, I, I kind of ran out. I was a biblical scholar. I mean, I had access to all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of reference books and, you know, and I, I, I knew it meant what the history was, where it came from, what the different words meant completely from a mythological point of view. It was not a historical book yep. to me. It, it was, it was a, it was a profound story of myth, right? And not myth as false history, myth as stories to represent transcendent truths that cannot be put into words. Yep. Um, and that had run its course. You know, I'd, I'd done some stuff. I'd, I'd, uh, I became a healer at it. I, 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 I kind of mastered the whole territory and it still wasn't enough. Something was missing and I still knew it, right? I said, okay, got to keep going. And that was a period of time. It was, you know, looking at all the psychology of gestalt and ab reactions at the time. You know, at that time, 
you know, the process for a trauma release was as traumatic as the trauma. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was really some heavy, heavy stuff. Yes. Um, but uh, it's gotten much, much better and much simpler uh, since then. But yeah. that's when I began to understand the psychology of it and conditioning and what happens with the child. And a very profound book uh, by a woman named Alice Miller called The Drama of the Gifted Child, um, which is not a whole well-known book, but I ran across it. And it, it kind of explained how the how the, the gifted child is every child, the gift of, by which the child manages to survive, sometimes in incredibly hostile environments. And I, I started to understand how this whole thing works. So that was inner child work and, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> we, we, we tried to learn it and did all that. And it's like, okay, it's still not enough. What, what's missing here? Right. I did men's work. I did men's initiation rituals. <laughs> I mean, uh, you name it, I did it. Um, and then it was uh, in, in, in the 90s. And I, I, was, I read a book. I, I read part of a book by Wayne Dyer. And I know he's really great and all, but I, I just was never that into him. Right. <laughs> um, but I read this one book called Your Sacred Self. I read about half the book. And in it, he, he had this quote there from this Indian teacher, Nisargadatta Maharaj. Mm -hmm. And um, and I read that, something about it struck me. I, I never finished the book. I never read anything else <laughs> after that. But uh, one day, probably two, three months later, I'm walking down um, near uh, uh, Union Square in the East-West Bookstore, walking to the East-West Bookstore. And, out of the corner of my eye, I catch this spine on a book that goes, I am that. And that was the book that he had quoted. And I grabbed it and I bought it and it took me two years to read it because I would read like two sentences. My mind would be blown <laughs> and I'd have to just put it down and sit with it sometimes for days. It, it was so profound. It was so right to the point. It, it, it was just absolutely there in, in black and white. And, and there it was, there was the, there was exactly the answer. It brought the entire thing together for me, which mm -hmm. is the Advaita Vedanta tradition, which then led me to explore Zen, which is of the same essence. Um, and, and it was from there that the final piece of the puzzle finally came together. And I could see the relationship with the con conditioning. I, I understood what it meant. And suddenly, there was just this wisdom that just kind of, it's all I can, descended. I mean, I could just, it was like I could no longer identify as anybody in particular. I was just the flow itself. And it just, it just never left at, at that point. So that's the best way I can try to describe the, the whole experience that led me to this place. And it very naturally, when you see something like that, you, you touch a deeper kind of peace, a different, different, deeper kind of, of happiness. And it's not like all my problems went away. It was like suddenly, but there was somebody else there that was in the presence of these. And I, and I realized that I'd, I'd found this really primary key. And, and so then the mission was how to take this and bring it down to a process by which I could actually take somebody uh, from pure identification with their conditioning, having no idea who they are, right? 
to this place where they were open to the possibility of being being beyond what you could possibly imagine you are way beyond the body experience beyond time beyond time itself and that that process is what i called inner reconciliation and it turned out to be exactly the opposite of what i thought it was so all these processes and i love the fact we're talking about self-helping and positivity porn (laughs) i love that (laughs) i'm going to steal that one from you that's such a great line you know it's so i love your story and gp i have to say um, it's so unique as you as you talk, you know, we are all such mirrors to each other and you're really a beautiful mirror to me right now and, and even my own experience. And I think that this is not to over spiritualize things when I say this, but I feel as though we're really coming into this time um, of time and space where we're kind of putting down the old ways of seeking truth. And much like your story, you know, I, I became the, the Bible study women's teacher and facilitator, and I needed to go find more information. And so I would go in other areas and try to bring deliverance to these individuals. But, but in reality, you know, and I, I just kept going down the hypnotherapy. I also came across my own self-realization with Wayne Dyer. And um, it's really interesting you say that because it was actually his book that attuned me and I actually had an out-of-body experience. And Mm. I used to skip school. And I used to just go down to the park and I used to read his book, There's a Spiritual Solution to Every Problem. And at that point, I had my first out-of-body experience and my, it just did not stop there, right? But we, we go right. down every maze and, and new insight that we can to find this desire of self. And going back to this book, I just pulled it up and it, and, and it says, I am that, is that it was his mission to guide the individual to an understanding of his true nature and timelessness of being. And timelessness is what sticks out to me, right? Consciousness. He taught that the mind must recognize and penetrate its own state of being, not being this or that, or here or there, then or now, but timeless being. And for people to sit with that simplicity, our human mind wants to overcomplicate, over-spiritualize, go find you know the right way so that we can <laughs> feel validated. And it's really as simple as that. So um, when you speak about inner reconciliation, you know, this is such a big piece of your work. Can you, can you go into that a little bit more and unfold that for us? Sure. I'd love to. Um, I could tell you the story about how it started. It's actually pretty funny. Um, it's a comical story. It was again, one of those unsought experiences that kind of jumped out at me. Um, because I mean, I had, I'd understood all this stuff. I'd even under uh, understood, you know, had the whole wisdom experience. And you know, I mean, I just was not the same person. You know, this guy wasn't here anymore. Um, and 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 I and was running into a particular obstacle in my life. I trans, transitioned from all the stuff that I've done, done, all sorts of things in my life, to just doing this full time, just teaching this full, and coaching people full time. And um, but it was just like stuck. Nothing, nothing was moving. It was you know, it was, I was stuck in the mud. And, you know, but one day I just got completely fed up. So I give up, I give up. And I just kind of sat there and put my hands in my lap and said, okay, <laughs> I surrender. What's it? I, I don't know what to do. 
And I just closed my eyes for a second. And all of a sudden, this vision came. It was like a waking dream, quite mythological in nature. Mm-hmm. And I found myself sitting at a table, uh, a conference room. It was in like a business setting. And all around the table were secret service agents. These guys in black suits with a white tie, you know, the, or a little black tie and white shirts and the thing on their ear. And they all had sunglasses on. And there was one right here, just right in my face. Right? It was kind of like Smith from The Matrix, right? Yeah. And... <laughs> And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, All I can say is secret you? service men and reconciliation spiritual process is not clicking yet, <laughs> but continue to go on. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> it's like, okay, where's this going? All right. <laughs> so I go, well, who are you? Who are you? And he just gives me this blank look. Okay. Um, well, why are you here? Now that he could answer, it's like, we're here to protect you. I said, to protect me? He said, yes, to protect you. From what? From everything. Mm-hmm. Everything? Everything. There's danger everywhere. I said, really? E- everywhere. We're just absolutely adamant. I go, okay, but you know, um, <laughs> and what, what about me? He says, you? You're the worst. We have to protect you from you and everybody else from you. Wow. Okay. By this time, I had had enough experience, the mythology, the whole path, the archetypes and all of that. I realized I was talking to a disembodied energy. I was talking to my safety mechanism that had basically taken form in my consciousness like a dream. And I said, okay, all right, I get it. You have to protect me and everybody else, right? That's right. I said, and you're right. I've done a lot of stupid stuff. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> I said, okay, I get, I, I get, I, I, I get that. And then I said, all right. I know you got to protect me, but is it possible? You know, it's it's really hard to do anything with your right here. I said, would it be possible for you to protect me like outside? In the next room, this look comes over his face. Okay, but we'll be right outside. That had ended, right? And it was just like all of a sudden this, this weight came off of my chest. It was like, what? What the hell just happened? But within three weeks, I had started a podcast, ended up with like 25,000 downloads a month. All of a sudden, the all the obstacles started to started to dissolve right and what i had done see in self-help personal development all these kinds of things as well-meaning as they as they are they start from the premise that there's something wrong that you have to get rid of right and then i realized i don't have to get rid of anything i'm simply i have disowned key parts of myself thinking they were an enemy i i had characterized it as a problem and because I wanted this, and it felt they weren't, this was in the way of it, I had created a conflict where there wasn't one. And suddenly it was like, they need to be reconciled, not pushed away. You can't push them away. <laughs> How can you? It's like trying to get rid of your hand. You can't do it. <laughs> that's where the resilience, and that's where, and or I should say, um, the resilience gained from overcoming the resistance 
right? There's this consistent resistance that we yes. experience. And that's the agitation of the spirit. That's also the thing that wants us to push a little bit further to figure out what the hell it is that we have to do to get rid of this, this thing gnawing at us. But when, when you had that, that moment, that reconciliation moment of that all parts are you, your past is you, but they don't define you. You then become the creator and you stop orientating yourself with having to fix or go figure it out or over spiritualize and you become the creator of your life. And what you're essentially saying is that this was, um, you know, I don't want to go down like the inner child work and like all the compartmentalized pieces of self, mm -hmm. um, but it was an essence and an energy as a part of you as a protector. And can you say a little bit more um, about the different aspects of these energies within each of us? Well, yeah, I mean, at a very fundamental level, okay, mm -hmm. anybody can grasp anybody can grasp this, look at your life. Yep. And every time you've had had to make a decision that you've had to struggle over, look at it uh, more closely and and you will find that it's always been some kind of conflict between freedom and safety yep and what we what we've done is we take the side of the freedom i've got to you know and then suddenly the self-protection becomes an enemy it's not uh, right you made it an enemy by trying to push it, push it away. It's actually a natural part of you that you can't do without, and you wouldn't want to, <laughs> right? And how do you reconcile the, the, the two? Well, sometimes I, I, I will say, with a lot of people, I'll just say, I'll say, okay, you feel that resistance? Ask the resistance, what are you protecting me from? And immediately something inside shifts because you've, you have, you've stepped out of the the creator of the conflict yep you've stepped into the place of the heart place i call the peacemaker right you have no agenda you're not taking sides right yeah this desire is there and sometimes people can't own their desires which is another part part of the equation in order to get rid of the pain of the resistance we suppress the desire but if you can let both of them be there which can be uncomfortable this will happen mm -hmm. <laughs> Because they're not at war with each other. You created the war <laughs> by uh, by taking sides. You you're playing favorites, and and so that that's the most essential one, right? And then beyond that, and that schism between safety and freedom, where you could say conforming to the tribe and being your authentic self, that happens at a very young age. That's the disconnect from the soul. The thing that resolves that and keeps everything solid and keeps you from uh, from killing yourself off or going crazy is, is, is the sense of self, is the ego, which is, the, which is another level of it. So now you've got this clo closed system that's working, it's functional. These things have some kind of an equilibrium, although nothing's really working, but it's, it's stable enough to survive, right? But then there's these other aspects of yourself. There's, there's the aspect of the heart. There's an aspiration that goes beyond mere desire, right? Everybody has inside of them desire to know who they are. To, to transcend the merely instinctual, the merely animal, to, to, to kind of, you know, it's symbolized in Kundalini Yoga as the, as the snakes coiled up the, uh, up the center line, 
right? And the, the first three chakras are the other three chakras and the, the heart in the middle. It, it, it's, it's not what people think it is. It's a mythological or metaphorical representation. The, the snake is, is the symbol for, for immortality because it sheds its skin. And so in the energy of the heart, we shed the skin of, our, of the animal nature and emerge into our, our, our spiritual potential really, from, the, from time to the, to the timeless, the cross symbol. There's so many uh, images that, that represent this. But all of those aspects represent you. The, the chakras are archetypal. They're archetypes as, as well. They are aspects of, your, of, of yourself that when you step back into that place that has no issue with any of them, the, the whole thing begins to integrate. Right? And you're like, suddenly you're an artist and you have all the colors available to you, not just two, <laughs> right? It is a perpetual blue period, right? I mean, you've got them all. You can have all sorts of, of infinite variation in shade and nuance that you don't have when you've disowned these, these key parts of ourselves. So the, the reconciliation is a recognition that whatever you are feeling is natural. There's no such thing as a negative emotion. There is only natural emotions that got bad press, that have been categorized as such. And, and the categorization is part of the process of suppression. It's all part of how the whole thing works. But this is the, the you're really, you are really, you're really reconnecting to the whole of you, your true nature, which can then take you beyond the, the physical form, beyond the sense of a personal identity into the, Right, right up, right up to the throne of God, which is where you belong, actually. So, I uh, hope that answers it for you. I can go off on this stuff uh, all, all day, but it, it becomes a, it becomes a way for me because it was a, a spiritual journey and a journey into Advaita and Zen, non-dual approach. It, it's a spiritual path as well. It's not a, an end run. It's not trying to bypass all of this. It's a reconciliation of this, which leads you right back to the source of your being, opens up the whole psyche to be able to ask the biggest question of all, which is, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I beyond the mind, beyond the body, beyond this life or, or millions of lives? Right? Who is the essence of me? And that question can't be answered without the right kind of preparation. And it cannot be answered while you're busy suppressing all the different aspects of your human nature. It is a, a reconciliation of the spiritual and the human. As the Buddha put it himself, he said, the ordinary human being is the Buddha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I just, um, I love how you wove that together. I also loved the the symbolism of the snake and how we shed these identities that we pick up and yes. you know I, I think a lot of time you know within the spiritual and the self-help worlds and industry we focus so much on the subconscious mind and how the subconscious mind is in control of you and and all of these things and i would still align that even with what you're speaking about right and and the chakra systems and how we get stuck on that lower part of of needing safety and our root is is not established and so um you know speaking of reconciliation how does one know when they can stop that that vigilance 
and that search. I know for me, I, I, I'm curious. Um, I, I honor innocence. I honor curiosity. I understand there's also fragments in our life that is stressful and trying to take our attention away, but it Mm -hmm. always is as simple as it is, is coming back to, to awe and to wonder and to innocence and curiosity and, and self-awareness and self-inquiry, not to berate myself with questions. Where did this thought come from? I need to go chase it down. Mm-hmm. And where is it planted in the subconscious <laughs> mind? Because right. we know we have the hologram of the body. We know there's dormant stuff in there, but I really am a proponent of as things come up, allow them to come up, sit with them. And to exactly what you said, we try to give our emotions and what I love what you said, we are the ones that give them the bad press, right? Yes. So I, I, to lean into this question, how do you know that you've come to that inner reconciliation? Um, because the sense of conflict is gone. Yes. There's a sense of equanimity. Yes. Um, you know, people talk about great spiritual experiences and stuff, and they go, GP, how do you know somebody's somebody's on the path, I said, are you more patient? Are you more compassionate? Are you slower to react? Are you more thoughtful about things? Do things not bother you as much? That's the sign. That shows that the deepest spiritual insights are penetrating and and colonizing the nervous system and very naturally bringing about the dissolution of the false patterns um, without without a struggle, without an, this doesn't have to be a witch hunt, right? Um, I don't agree with analysis, uh, ana- psychoanalysis. Yep. And I had, you know, I'd studied all this stuff and I thought, well, I thought I was so smart. I mean, I was, <laughs> I had this, I could read anybody and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, it still isn't working. What the, what the hell's going, what the hell's going on? And then I realized that uh, after that experience and I started working with it, I said, Jesus, I don't know. I don't know anything and I don't need to. Absolutely. Right? The energy, I don't need to try to find out what the originating event was. The energy knows. It already knows. All I have to do is ask it. Right. And if it wants to tell me, it can tell me. If it doesn't want to, fine. I don't even care about knowing it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need to release this? Right. And what I found is that the number one thing is, the whole point behind inner reconciliation, and everything I do in it, is to create the inner environment of safety. It was the environment of danger that caused the schism in the first place. The only thing that's going to heal it is to create an inner environment of safety, which means you have to become safe for yourself. Exactly. Which means you give up, you you let go of all all the way you think things should be, what you thought it meant, which is what all the, you know, the self-help chasing I've got and fixing. Just put all that aside and just sit with yourself with no agenda whatsoever. Everything's allowed. Everything's okay. I'm just going to be present with myself as I am right this moment. The other term for that, unconditional love, which is the only thing that's ever fixed anything. <laughs> right? <true. laughs> All of our, if you can get to that point, you don't need to know anything. Mm-hmm. The, the wisdom of, of this, you know, when the when the water comes out of the mountain, it doesn't need a GPS to find the, the ocean. Yep. Right? You take away the obstacle, and the biggest obstacle is your is your own insistence that things be different than you think <laughs> than they are. You think they this way, and they are this way. You're arguing with reality, which is always a losing affair. 
Um, and somehow I'm supposed to make this happen. But if you drop all of that, and you're simply present with what is, you find the Tao. You find truth. You find the benevolence. You find life. You find the peace. You find the happiness that's been sitting there the entire, entire time. And it is just, uh, what can I say? It's... <laughs> path of least resistance it's i love the the symbolism also is is allowing the water to flow you know and um you know i i often think about that symbolism as this not it's equal parts of that feminine and masculine again not to over spiritualize mm -hmm. that whole phenomenon right now too <laughs> yeah that's um, a very that's a very in thing now oh yeah like everybody's <laughs> the feminine this is the world of the feminine yeah. blood of the yes. feminine. but um you know but i i i like the visual of um that it still needs structure right and we still need that that honor structure and that that masculine is kind of that built boulder on the side to allow that feminine and that flow to come through and both of these parts yes. play together in their own timing in what is needed at the moment they show up if you allow them um yes so. in just the right proportions yep right right i mean sometimes there needs more than one than the other and it's actually kind of a reduction to call it masculine and feminine and it gets us confused with gender as if they were qualities that belong to a particular body type they got nothing to do with it but um you know you don't have a river without a riverbed you need the water and the riverbed and you could think of it as the masculine and feminine you could think of it as as the as the as, as the as the solid and the ephemeral you could think of it as the spiritual and the and the and the physical and those are all different words to to get at what in fact is completely beyond words which is this flow of opposites that has no that has no actual point at which one becomes the other you yeah. can't find a division between the two yeah. right there's no oh here it is here's masculine here's feminine there's just nothing but a continuum right and, and so at one side it appears more masculine another side it appears more feminine but it is both and neither Mm -hmm. at, at the same time it goes beyond words okay. the, the mind cannot grasp true oneness mm -hmm. and so don't bother trying Absolutely. right so we express it in terms of form and emptiness male and male and female light and day um uh, or light and light and night or light and, and dark we explain we you know we express it in those terms as a pointer yep. right but the actual experience of it is yourself yeah. Ex your own experience of being i am that's it mm -hmm. so that is the convergence of the whole mm -hmm. i am that as the book said <laughs> well, i am going to be picking up that book and i just love that and you know the river needs it needs it needs a space to go to and so tapping into that imagination and that innocence and what you want to create in the world and i often talk about the um the infinite game you know and the infinite game is not the finite game which is uh there's a book about it but it's it's as simple as we play the infinite game in in life and that's what i attribute that river to is because as a creator and someone that brings value into the world and wants to express that value to help others come to their own um, sense of of peace as they create in this world is the infinite game you're always passing the ball on to somebody else to then <laughs> pass that ball on to somebody else whereas yes. that very self-protective that very vigilance energy is about 
wanting to create safety. And so it needs to keep something for itself. But when everything can flow through you in that essence, that is when you embody it all. And to your point and your experience, you know, you had the thousands of downloads on your podcast, you had things open up for you and people again, then try to go to, okay, well, what are the spiritual laws of manifestation? There are no spiritual laws of manifestation (laughs) if you want, but it's just another dialogue that we can have in our mind to bring and make sense to the experience. So I just love it. Correct. Oh, I'm so glad you put it that way. Yes. The experience itself is completely non-dual. It's inexplicable. Yeah, we could put words to it, but, you know, I I sometimes call it the power of wow, right? I mean, you, you, you know, imagine it's springtime, it's been winter, you walk through a park and suddenly there's this, there's this bush that's completely in bloom and it wasn't yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment of just going, ah, everything stops. Yep. In that moment, you and it are one. You're not even there. It is pure experience. Well, then the mind kicks in and wants to describe it and that sort of thing, um, which is okay, right? It's, that's, what it, that's what it does. But the actual experience itself is beyond any, anybody could put into words. Of course, we, you know, we love to talk about it because we want to communicate because we love, the, love that, but the experience itself is, is completely beyond it. And Joseph Campbell said, God is is the experience of looking at a tree and saying, ah. Yeah, love that. And uh, <laughs> nature knows no time. It just is, right? And so- Knows, knows no time, yeah. yeah. Knows no work, knows no, knows no re- desire. Um, it, it has no sense of past or future. It just is. Mm-hmm. And, and so are you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why the, the very first thing I do whenever I start with reconciliation is I, is I start with body awareness. I call it the yoga of allowing. That's simply being present with your own body and how it feels. And then noticing that how your mind wants to comment on it. Right? And that the mind is, and you can easily see, the mind is always in the future or the past. It's always comparing and judging. It's always assessing. But the body isn't. The body is absolutely here and now. And so if my attention gets centered there, I step into the timeless space. I step right into eternity. Right? And though it, so it looked like a body, but guess what? It wasn't. <laughs> it was a doorway to, to, to a completely different dimension of yourself that is beyond what the mind can conceive. And that's the doorway all the way in to, to, the, to the infinite you. To the, that's, the, that's the home of the, what I'd call the original innocence, the that. unspoiled you. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said too about it's, you know, the mind wants to go to the, to the past or into the future. And that's just a part of how our brain was developed. I know Lisa Feldman talks a lot about how emotions are made. Well, you know, her, her scientific view on neuroscience is that the brain is actually a predictor right? So if you understand that your brain's just always trying to predict its safety, um, you can appreciate that and just understand the inner dialogue that's going on and come back to what you talked about, the yoga of allowing, just being coming back into that sense of timelessness. Yes. Well, see, once you understand that, that that's what the function of the whole nervous system is, right? right? And it's not a problem <laughs> anymore, Right. But the very act fact of the fact that you can sit and look at it and see that's what it is means you're not that right. you're something else altogether. 
You actually are that timeless dimension that is aware of it, that has simply mistakenly identified with the, the temporal and forgotten that it is the, it is the timeless. Yep. And, and when you see that, it's not a problem anymore. Yeah, of course my mind's going to do that. And I can now choose whether to pay attention or not. Right? It ceases to be interesting. <laughs> Right? Okay. I know that if it really needs to get me out of danger, it'll just grab control and take me. Right? I won't have any say over it. And I'm fine with that. Yep. It actually happened to me. I, I remember once um, living in Miami Beach, I step out onto Collins Avenue, right? Which is like this busy street running up and down Miami Beach. And I'm lost in thought, right? I'm just going, and I step out into the street. The next thing I know, I'm, I'm flying backwards on onto the sidewalk and and i become conscious and there's a bus <laughs> Zoom, right right past me now my body took over threw my ass on the onto the sidewalk before it even let me know because if it had let me know it'd been too late hmm. i would have been way too slow to do anything about it it's, it's like you know what cool you keep doing that <laughs> And I'll keep doing, and I'll keep doing this. We got this wonderful little partnership now. It's just amazing to uh, to see that that's it's going to do that. If it really needs to get you out of danger, it'll do it. And you won't have any say over. So good, I love it. Absolutely perfect. But now I don't. I don't have to be engaged in all the permutations about the future and the past. Right. Right. That's that is the the mental activity of cognitively trying to do what the mind with the cognitive part of us can't do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we don't need to even bother with it. We don't need to know what the future is. We don't need to know what the past is. Because when it happens, I will have whatever resources I need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Period. I don't need them in advance. I don't need a bank account of, of clever things that I'm going to do, you know, should something happen. I don't have to anticipate anything. I'm totally free from that. Yeah. It's such a... It's such a nice fluid way way to live. You are the Tao. You are the flow. Mm -hmm. And the destination of all flows is the ocean. Love it so much. Love it, love it so much. And we are all part of that ocean, but also sit in that ocean at the same time. We're all a drop in the ocean. Um, GP, I want to thank you so much for being on the Awaken Beauty podcast. It's just I honestly could talk to you for hours. Um, you have such a beautiful voice and a beautiful spirit. And I'm so thankful mm -hmm. that we had time today. You know, just a couple questions, you know, um, something I always ask guests is, you know, what is something deep, maybe personal, maybe business, whatever it may be for you that you personally have had a deeper awakening to as of late? Um, well, I do have to say everything I share with you continues to blow my mind. Yeah. It's not like I used to think there was a point at which you were going to know stuff. And now I'm just so enjoying the, my, my divine ignorance <laughs> that uh, there's just this not it's just everything is just like a, a constant surprise. Awesome. And, you know, lately, I've actually had to pay more attention to business stuff, right? which does not come natural to me um, and is not something I'm really particularly interested in, but it just comes up and says, you know, I'm here. You're going to have, you're going to have to take care of this. So, and you say, okay, I will, I will, I will take care of that. And, um, and you know, and then different, it becomes a different avenue in which you, 
you begin to see that every aspect of your life is actually radiant with this with this spiritual reality there are no there are no uh, there there are no um you know juvenile delinquent nephews <laughs> that you want to try to send off to the to the hall they they all belong here right the, from from the most sublime like we're talking about now to the most mundane doing the dishes or um you know to, to, i take I, I don't actually use my dishwasher i i love to do it by hand i love to to, yes. to feel it yes. so it, it, it there's no point at which you know it there's a point at which the suffering ends and there's there's no need to get anything yeah but then the unfoldment of you is just it's just ending life doesn't become about acquiring or gaining it becomes about sharing you which are, are, are of such infinite depth that you you never run out of you you never run out of of things the the universe is the truth is inexhaustible and so life becomes a, like a child everything becomes brand new every single moment it just becomes lit up yeah um, so i hope that answers your question that's the best i can do oh it so does it so so does and it's it's again you do such an incredible job of of bringing it back to simplification and available to all and so I really appreciate that. Um, you know, something that you and I had talked about, and I really want you to share is, um, let me tell you, you don't, you age very, very well, but it is time that you continue <laughs> to get your good works out into the industry. And speaking of business, you know, um, I will be sharing this, the show notes and the links, but um, you do do a two hour Q&A on YouTube every Sunday. So I'll go ahead and leave that link. You also, um, I wanted to bring precedence to the course that you currently have right now, and that you're going to be really extending um, mentoring mentorship, I would call it, um, to those in July. So maybe we can just end by you sharing that experience for those that want to join us and you, because I'm going to be in it, and then we'll... <laughs> Wonderful. Um, e e sure. Um, well, inner reconciliation, as I said, I, 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 I needed, I felt I needed to bring it down to a, pro a teachable process, right? Something that was really approachable, that somebody could start knowing absolutely nothing, maybe even just you know, even just their first experience with like personal development or spirituality or meditation or any of it, um, uh, and take them all the way to the point where they were prepared for the deepest awakening. And when an awakening takes place, what to do then? Mm -hmm. How to integrate the depth of knowledge that can can happen uh, as as it begins to to permeate your your everyday life because it, it's not two you can't separate the two right this is not the path of the monastery right this is the path of engagement in everyday life this is the path of the bodhisattva in zen which is an engagement in everyday life um and so uh i've created uh it took me a couple of years to do it three different levels of inner reconciliation a home study course, right, which is videos and audios and exercises and meditations and the like. And I have three different levels of that. And uh, I'm now um, uh, planning on doing a live training that's going to be over spread over eight weeks. Um, for, I'm asking everybody to take that level one of the uh, inner reconciliation home study. And then I'm going to be 
yeah, basically mentoring them, me and my, um, my, uh, uh, my, my senior uh, facilitator, Evan, um, in really helping people integrate it into to understanding how to do an inner dialogue. Right? I break it down to three parts, invite, inquire, integrate. The inviting being meditation, allowing, just being present with yourself, right? Creating that space, inner space of, uh, of reconciliation. Then take it into inquiry, which is like I did with, with uh, the Secret Service guy, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why exactly why are you here? What are you protecting me from, right? And, and opening that up to a real appreciation of the incredible power that is the human energy system and the power of, of the manifest world. Um, and then finding how that very naturally integrates all by itself into the system. But I'm going to, I'm going to be personally with Evan bringing people through that. So, um, they, they get to have a direct experience of it with enough consistency that it starts to sink in. It's called foundations for for facilitation. Um, the idea being, I'm trying to prepare the ground for the next generation of of the practitioners of it, the facilitators of it, and eventually people who can teach it. Right. So that, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I know that many will be interested and, and, um, I just, I can't thank you enough. Um, you are such a delight and just, uh, you're so clear, um, but so deep and so mysterious at the same time. So I, I really appreciate you. And, um, you know, we, we were live on clubhouse today. We were live on my Facebook, uh, group, um, and, uh, live obviously oh, here on zoom. And so I'll go ahead and make sure that we get this all tidied up with all the links. And for you, my friend, I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I appreciate you so much. And uh, thank you everybody for joining the Awaken Beauty podcast. And until next time, as you know, stay sane, get sleep and always bring your sexy back. Well, hello, Awaken Beauty. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Were you inspired? Please leave a comment or your own personal aha moment so others can capture exactly what you did. Also, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you're interested in high quality natural products for your hair, skin, and wellness, including organic, CBD, please visit evokebeauty.com. Again, that is evokebeauty.com, E-V-O-Q-beauty.com. And until next time, darling, stay sane, get sleep, and bring your sexy back. <laughs>